the upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. Let's get it going right here and right now. Welcome into another episode of New Generation Declassified here in live and in living color on the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling Podcasting Empire. If you didn't know by now, my name is Chad, and every single week I am joined here by my crack broadcast team getting ready to sit down and talk about a glorious time frame of the years in the World Wrestling Federation's history as I'm joined by the man in the co-hosting chair, the one and only Mr. CP, and behind the glass, the man with the golden mouse, the guy who's making the clicks that make us watch the videos on our screen, Mr. Timmy Weiland down there in the beautiful state of Florida. But here we are getting ready to sit down and talk to you about the possible leader of the new generation, the title reign of Big Daddy Cool Diesel and the start of it, Today on New Generation Declassified. CP, how's things in your neck of the woods? Everything is going well. It was a beautiful day here in Red Bank, New Jersey, and I'm very excited to talk about the New Generation Declassified podcast running on diesel power. <laughs> At least for one week only. So far, <laughs> it's running on diesel power. And a guy who doesn't need any kind of rocket fuel, he's got it right there in his coffee cup uh, in the bottom screen that I'm looking at with his NWO shirt on another era of, of diesel, Kevin Nash, later on. Timmy, how's it going down there in uh, your neck of the woods? Going good. Too hot as always in Gainesville here, but still kicking. <laughs> Very nice. So you are the man behind the glass. You will be showing us the images that will be sparking the memories that will be leading to the discussion as we talk about when Kevin Nash, a.k.a. Diesel, won the WWF World Wrestling Federation Heavyweight Championship from Mr. Bob Backlund at Madison Square Garden on November 26th, 1994, and the events that led into that now. I remember where I was on November 26, 1994. I was probably sitting in my room, just kind of uh, flipping some baseball cards and uh, and reading my WWF magazine. But there was somebody on this podcast that on November 26, 1994, was actually in Madison Square Garden watching the the shocking victory of Big Daddy Cool Diesel. Uh, CP, that's you. You were there. I know because you used to carry the ticket around in your wallet. <laughs> little weird but no nonetheless uh, before we talk about it tell us what it was like in the building that night and the vibe around this shocking title victory so yeah i'll i'll we can get into more detail later but i'll touch on it for a second um the vibe was crazy to be honest with you when i think we touched on this on the first episode when people talk about the new generation and think of it as a down era it was never like that in madison square garden and i specifically remember this crowd being ridiculously hot uh especially around this title match and the pops that diesel got that night were crazy they were austin like in my child's memory it was uh crazy i mean I, I don't remember it even being an advertised match i don't remember anything about it being out there you know and the fact that they had a weeknight msg show uh was kind of weird because it was coming off of the survivor series which of course at that point i believe was it wasn't on Thanksgiving anymore. I think they this is when they moved it to Sundays. And uh on Sunday night, Diesel was teaming with his Teamsters uh Survivor Series team, which was uh Big Daddy Cool Diesel, his tag team partner and fellow tag team champion, the Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels, uh Jeff Jarrett, uh Jim the Anvil Neidhart, and the Rocket Owen Hart taking on the uh stack team of Razor Ramon, the one, two, three kid, the British Bulldog. And I believe the head shrinkers um, in an epic Survivor Series opening match. Uh, but on that Sunday night, we had no clue that a few days, days later, Diesel was going to be the world champion. So what are your kind of memories about that Survivor Series, guys? And kind of what you think about um, how he went from co-holder of the tag team championships 
Sunday as a bad guy to shockingly winning the world title a couple days later, as Vince McMahon would say, a good guy. Yeah, so it's completely crazy. And just I am looking up the dates right now, uh, Chad. So it is actually the Survivor Series was on Thanksgiving Eve and the MSG show. Oh, was it was. Back. The MSG show was on a Saturday and there was a couple oh, of random okay. shows in between. Uh, so it did gotcha. still have that old feel. But this, uh, yeah, this is like we are into the heat, the center of the new generation right now. Just looking at the 10 people in this ring, it's a totally different feel from a couple of years prior. One of the more interesting things is the head shrinkers are the new head shrinkers with Barbarian <laughs> as part of the team or Sioni. Sioni. Um, yes, yes. And it's just an interesting mishmash of people when you think of what happened a couple of years later and to see a team with Owen Hart and Shawn Michaels on it together. I find that interesting as well. That Yeah, the heel team is uh, is crazy. Now, you also see the, uh, the, the weird hair extensions on our screen of Shawn Michaels <laughs> with one of the most awkward-looking mullet braids uh, you could possibly imagine. Um, but, the, uh, yeah, the Barbarian being back as Sione, uh, kind of an interesting uh, little footnote in the head shrinker history because Samu, I uh, believe, was injured and then gone. And uh, that team was very over, um, weirdly turned babyface. Uh, don't think they're a babyface quality team. But uh, the Barbarian there, you know, he kind of fits in perfectly, uh, even though he's from the, that older era. He's like the veteran of the squad. But just the bulk and the humanity in this ring, it's uh, its quite the sight. It's very colorful uh, to the eye. <laughs> That's for Absolutely. Sure. It's huge. And I just wanted to mention when we watched the entrances before, I, I talked for a second about Diesel's pop at Madison Square Garden. If you watch the beginning of this pay-per-view, he gets a very loud face cheer when he comes out, yeah. even though he's still technically a heel. But they've been building to him making a turn for a while at this point. So the, the crowd was getting behind him. And this, this was a very good build that the WWF pulled off with him in the early stages of his switch and his title, uh, eventual title win. Yeah, and it kind of goes back to January. It goes back to the Royal Rumble, where it was the real first dominating like kind of showing of any superstar in a Royal Rumble, where he just seemed to be eliminating everybody. I forget the number off the top of my head, but it was yeah. Providence, Rhode Island. It was a, a show that just uh, was one of my favorites of the uh, of the era, and it uh, it just kind of laid the foundation for Diesel's year, where then he would go on to win the Intercontinental Championship for Razor Ramon. He would go on to become a tag team champion with Shawn Michaels, defeating the Head Shrinkers right before SummerSlam. And it's like for this guy to have the trifecta at that point in time in one year, it's like it's nuts, you know, and you and you would never have predicted it. I think, again, even going into this show, I don't think you would have known because they were still they were they were teasing the breakup of yes. Sean and, uh, and Diesel. But I don't think anybody expected it to come that fast. No, I, I don't think so either. Um, but it, it was it was clear with the crowd, though, that, yeah, they were looking at him as a face and Sean as a heel at this point. But, yeah, I don't think anybody expected the official turn to occur. No, I agree with you. So you see the show 1994 Survivor Series. You know, the, the main event is the WWF Championship match. It's Bret Hart and it is um, uh, Bob Backlund. Mr. Uh, Bob Backlund. Excuse me, Mr. Bob Backlund. <laughs> and the, the main event was in the middle of the card, which, you know, is a playbook out of the WWF house shows, not necessarily the pay-per-views where the championship match is in the middle of the card. Uh, because we had the epic casket match um, with Yokozuna and The Undertaker on this show uh, with the special guest enforcer. Anybody? Anybody want to say it? <laughs> uh, does he have a life of his own of internet uh, jokes? <laughs> Long before his <laughs> meme days, Chuck Norris was the uh, the enforcer on this card. So that got the main event slot. And Mr. Bob Backlund defeats Bret Hart for the WWF Championship at this point, what, 12 years after or no, 11 years after he lost it to the Iron Sheik at Madison Square Garden yes. um, and the story of redemption and the story of one of the most shocking heel turns of all time. Mr. Backlund culminates on this show. Absolutely. It's one of the I don't want to keep saying one of the best, but it's an amazing heel turn, too. I mean, the, if you look at that, the early Bob Backlund and then and then the face Bob Backlund in the early 90s, the. The, what comes out of him when he becomes Mr. Bob Backlund is outrageous. It's a completely different character, which is kind of incredible. Now, I've spent some time around Bob Backlund in the last few years, and it is interesting to see how he can go from zero to 100, uh, specifically how he can be sitting there talking to you about 
you know, physical fitness and things he does to stay in shape. And then somebody comes up, wants an autographed picture and they want to get put in the chicken wing for the photo op. And he then snaps and becomes Mr. Bob Backlund. <laughs> it's fascinating to see how he does the transformation because it's like that. It's a blink of an eye, but also interviewing Bob Backlund on the TMPT empire and back in the archives. If anybody wants to go check it out. Um, he talked about how the, the idea was pitched to him that he was going to have this, story where he would defeat Bret Hart and hold on to the belt for a long time and be dropping it back to Bret at some point. So between winning this match and <laughs> a couple days later, Vince McMahon decided that we got to go in a different direction. So I don't know if you guys had been aware of that, but Mr. Backlund, uh, and if you could even picture it, due for a long title reign on paper originally. We should... I feel like a lot of people have thought that after talking with Vince as well, though. <laughs> maybe not for quite as short of a title reign. but Yeah, maybe Vince changed his mind the second he walked out or was just saying <laughs> that to Bob, so Bob would be on uh, with the program. Um, but, you know, like we talked about on the first episode, you know, the, the older the older guard, the older generation being a little passe, Bob Backlund kind of sneaks in the front door in January 93, uh, really, the end of 92, but still, like, you know, he's in the Royal Rumble, has a great showing in the 93 Rumble. Yeah. And you're like, oh, damn, that Bob Backlund is like, you know, he can really go with all these guys. And I think he was in his early 40s at that point. And, that, yeah. you know, <laughs> he might as well have been 900 in his early 40s with this yeah. roster. But um, well, Bob Backlund. That... Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, I was just saying, Bob Backlund fits in very nicely with a young group of guys. He's a great complement to uh, to what they had. Absolutely. And and back in that early, um, the early first uh, Bob Backlund, when he first came back, when he was the super baby face, good guy, kind of his old character. And he was sort of low card. Well, I don't know, mid card, low card. But oh, he, he was, was really one- opening match. He was like a, you know, yeah. a fan, a fan favorite opening match. You know who Bob Backlund is. You get some cheap cheers, you know, probably beat, you know, uh, IRS or something like that on an opening match. But I distinctly remember him having one of those superstars main events against Bret Hart for the title and Bret Hart's yes. first title reigns when he would fight like Virgil in the main event or right. this guy in the main event when he was always defending the title on television, which is interesting. Which, yeah, which is what led to the snapping and led to the the, the chicken wing and, and that, you know, ascent of Bob Backlund from going as the, you know, the, the Opie baby face eternal good guy. You know, uh, who's, uh, you know, running, running laps, checking his pulse and making sure kids are uh, doing their homework to this nut job. It just fit in perfectly because, okay, yeah, there's all these new generation guys. They're all young. They're all hungry. And here's this old guy who's amongst all of them loses his shit and becomes this absolute, you know, (laughs) dominating force with one submission move. It's fascinating that they were able to slot him in perfectly into that roster. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, his, well, his personality change basically made him an entirely new person. So he, this Bob Backlund is representative of the new generation, even though he's a guy in his mid forties who held the title from 78 to 83 or 84. I mean, it's, it's crazy how, how much he slid in just with that character change. Yeah. It's December, 1983. It's right after Christmas. Um, You know, again, shocking that the iron Sheik beats Bob Backlund and opening the door for a guy who would come in in the end of 1983. Uh, if you have ever heard of him, his name is the Hulkster. And he beats the Iron Sheik, Bob Backlund. You know, they basically pitched the heel turn to Bob Backlund in, in early 1984, and he did not want to do it. He just he thought it was against everything he stood for. He had too much on the line with a lot of his wrestling camps, and he absolutely refused. And that's what led to his exit, and that's what led to Bob Backlund being gone for almost 10 years from a company that's in his backyard because he's from Connecticut and it's it really, you know, he would end up going and doing independence, but he, he really did these Bob Backlund wrestling camps. And that's how he kind of stayed as Bob Backlund until he came back in, in the end tail end of 92. I want to say, you know, that October, November timeframe. I don't remember specifically, um, yeah. but help man, Bob Backlund, he's no joke. That's for damn sure. <laughs> so what did you, what did you think of the Bob Backlund's Bret Hart match? Because I have a huge, I feel like there's a lot of negativity towards that match, and I completely disagree. Uh, from you, Survivor Series? Yes, from Survivor Series. I mean, it's okay. It, it's, you know, it, it's hard. The, the The matches with Backlund, I, I didn't always love them with Brett. The WrestleMania 11 um, yeah. I Quit match, kind of sloppy, not the oh, best. Yeah. Um, 
I don't know whose fault that was. I guess maybe it was just placement of the card, the show not being that strong. Um, this one's okay. I mean, I think it has more to do with the Owen Hart stuff, which is weird because the Owen Brett feud kind of cooled after this. So well, yeah, that's it's a exactly, little weird. That was kind of my point. Um, so I, a lot of people say this match is boring, and I think um, it's just long. It's, it's long. That and time, it, it's long. It is a little slow and bloody for a while, but the last like ten minutes with all just sports entertainment drama and Owen Hart is like steals the show in the last 10 minutes of the match. He's so great at everything that he's doing. I mean, his, his initial, he like tricks Davy boy to, to get interference so he can break up the sharpshooter. Then he, then Davy boy hits steel steps and is unconscious for the longest <laughs> anyone's ever been unconscious from hitting steel steps before. <laughs> then his pleading like with Stu and Helen Hart to save his brother, Brett, and eventually Helen throws that towel in, and then he just runs in and grabs the towel and celebrates immediately that Bob Backlund is a champion and Brett's no longer a champion. When his brother that he was just crying about is, you know, injured in the ring. I don't know. It's just, Owen is just so great in this match with everything he does. Yeah, this is a it's a and it's a great <laughs> it's a great moment for a guy outside the ring, you know, who's not necessarily doing anything except holding a towel around his neck. Um, and that was the beauty of Owen Hart, who, you know, he deserves his own episode uh, just, just for the run of as the king of hearts. Um, but it's just weird because the Brett Owen feud really did die out and you only saw it play up at places like the Royal Rumble and and kind of super duper shows. And, and they kind of just cooled it off until they I think around 96, they did a little bit back and forth. And then, you know, obviously the Hart Foundation in March 97. But like. It's just, it's weird. It's almost like this is the culmination of the year of Owen from 93 Survivor Series to 94 Survivor Series. But, you know, kudos. Yeah, no, that's, absolutely. That's off. <laughs> it's, it is kind of weird that they cooled that feud off, too, because you have, I feel like the whole time Diesel was champion, it was almost like Brett was kind of like just kind of plodding around from thing to thing, kind of like always waiting to get the title back again. Yeah. Like, it seems like he could have been in a clean feud with Owen, like extended, because that they did unfinished business, even though he beat him in that cage match at Survivor Series. That didn't that wasn't a blow off. Yeah, mind. Brett's got a weird ninety-five. He's got the Hakushi feud, the Jean-Pierre Lafitte feud, Jerry Lawler, the Kiss My Foot match. Yeah. Uh what else? Uh yeah, he's just kind of like uh, meandering around the mid card. Um and like you said, yeah, it's like plotting, like waiting for Brett to get back to being Brett. And depending on who you talk to, I mean, was Brett the most popular guy? Was he the leader of the new generation? Was it Diesel is the champion? Diesel with the smile on his face, the happy-go-lucky guy who was, you know, the silent but deadly man behind the sunglasses um, yeah. for the previous, you know, year plus that we saw him. Um, really, even voiceless. He didn't talk for the longest time. So it's an interesting, uh, interesting move. So on the Survivor Series, yeah, we get uh, Bob Backlund beats Bret Hart. Uh, Shawn Michaels and Diesel, the tag team champions, uh, basically just kind of dissolve, and it leads us to what would be the the night at MSG. So now I stand corrected, and I apologize for misinformation earlier in my statement that it was a Saturday night, a beautiful Saturday night to be in uh, New York City. Now I can confirm I was definitely in my room flipping <laughs> baseball cards, probably watching uh, some sort of Coliseum video, uh, getting ready to, for Monday Night Raw on Monday when we would see the shocking footage, which was about, what, five-minute total package that they showed of Diesel winning the belt um, and leading to the great Vince McMahon introduction of Diesel. But take us back, if you can, to seeing a little bit. We found a, uh, a quote-unquote copy of the show uh, that's floating out there amongst the interwebs. Um, was it, were you able to, to trigger some, some thoughts and some memories that you might've forgotten from actually seeing the imagery? I remember the, the standout you told us about from the start was this Bob Backlund in ring where he was just yelling at the, uh, the crowd kind of talk us, talk about that if you can, and take us back to that moment. Yeah. Well now again, so I, so I'm, I'm thinking I'm sitting, I'm sitting in like the second row in the mezzanine. I'm in the second section up like two, two, two rows up and it, I talked about Diesel getting a pop and being over at this show earlier. This crowd hated Bob Backlund so much. Um, he before, so he's talking on what we're watching right now. Before he ever talked, he Howard Finkel introduced him, I believe, and then he just he just uh, went with the crowd for minutes. Uh, it's it, it felt like an eternity when I was there, but he was making faces at the crowd. 
putting his hands on his hips, pointing at people, just doing Bob Backlund stuff for probably five <laughs> minutes. And the crowd was booing the entire time. Like there, there wow. was no lack of energy for a hatred of Bob Backlund. And then he left from the booze. And I think he comes back. And that's when he starts talking extensively to the crowd. But I just remember the crowd having so much heat on him. And he wasn't even talking for an extended period of time. Yeah, it's cool because, I mean, he is, you know, he's holding the belt. Why don't you pause the video there? He's holding the belt uh, in the um, uh, in the in-ring promo. And, again, it's like, you know, we used to see monthly MSG shows televised. Like, I wish that we could see the full-blown WWF footage they have of this uh, where you get to feel that uh, because just that image of him in the suit with the title, we never got to see it on television, you know? We never yeah. got to see this guy get that first introduction back as world champion. We never got it on Monday Night Raw. We got a package of him losing the belt. So you were in a very select group of uh, people that from your second row in the mezzanine, which if you've ever been to the old garden, you can't go wrong with. It's a great seat. Every seat in the house in the garden is fantastic. Um, but just that image itself is a rarity. And you got to see that. And that's you know the beauty of that golden era is that, these moments don't get caught on film back then, folks. You didn't have everything recorded. And until he sees this footage, he's only going off that that you know 12-year-old noggin at that point. So that's uh that's pretty good recollection. And it's almost exactly what we just witnessed watching the video. Yeah, no, it's it's fantastic. Mr. Mr. Bob did a uh, did a great job, actually. Um, can I it, not necessarily relating to the scene at the garden as well? Uh we, you talked earlier about it being shocking that Diesel won, and I know. Uh, this probably isn't going to sound true, but I had a f weird feeling and maybe because I was in the arena and I was young, but I had a weird feeling that Diesel might win the title that night. Um, it was he had um, just he had had this kind of the clear face turn at Survivor Series um, and they did actually announce. So I was trying to confirm this online and I couldn't. Um, they did announce on Superstars on the local feed that Bret Hart was being replaced by Diesel uh, uh, that Inter morning. Okay, interesting. Um, Bret Hart and Bret Hart was injured. He was he was always on the local feed, like as the the opponent of Bob Backlund on this night, right? Like, local promos. And I don't, I I had not remembered ever hearing that before when I was little. Um, and so I also have a memory, and I, I this probably didn't happen because like, this is what I can't confirm online. That I thought they mentioned on regular superstars that Bret Hart was injured and Diesel was replacing him tonight on Madison Square Garden, not even on the local feed. But I, I can't confirm that, so that might be my memory messing with me. Uh, yeah, and that's something that would be worth kind of trying to check out because I mean I don't remember it in general. I don't remember there being that time in between to even know that there was yeah. the the card. I don't know why I just I felt like I was asleep during this whole thing. <laughs> I don't remember. Being, but you know, you said something that I, I I don't recall it being so clear that that was the official face turn of Diesel. That that's the, the thing I thought about in retrospect. I know they teased it forever, but they were the tag champions, so I didn't think. Even though you know Shawn Michaels super kicks him, and that's yeah. the last imagery we see is Shawn throwing down the belt, walking away. I didn't think it was a clear heel turn, uh, baby face turn. I thought he was still you know the bad guy, big daddy cool. I did not realize that. Until I heard he won the title. That's when I knew it was official. <laughs> it was partially probably because I used to, you know, I was one of the people cheering Diesel when he was becoming better well, he, on the tail end of his heel turn. So I probably kind of thought he was a good guy anyway. And I could not. That beginning of that Survivor Series match, I could not stand Shawn Michaels running out in front of him, which he did all the time. <laughs> That's right. me nuts. <laughs> so that might be partially why. I kind of accepted him as a good guy before this. Um, so, but... But yeah, I just I just remember the whole thing being a little weird. Like, and it's a sold out night at the Garden to give Diesel in what in my mind was his first face match a world a world title fight. Uh, I don't know. It just yeah. it all seemed weird. So pause the video here so we don't get distracted. Leave it there, and I just want to run down the card really quick. You got the Bushwhackers defeat. Well done, St uh, Stephen Dunn and Timothy Well. Um, uh, my good old buddy PJ Aldo Montoya defeats Quang. Uh, the Head Shrinkers. Uh, Fatu and Sioni, we said Barbarian, defeat the Executioners, number one and number two. Uh, King Kong Bundy, another good old friend of the team, BT Empire. RIP, we miss you, KKB. Uh, and the British Bulldog end in a double count out. 
Uh, Razor Ramon defeats Jeff Jarrett to retain the Intercontinental Championship. Mabel defeats Pierre. And the, underfa- the Undertaker defeats Erwin R. Scheister in the main event. So, so just like we talked about on Survivor Series, you got a intermission mid-card main event. Now, do you recall, was this before or after intermission? I don't recall. My, my, I think it was before, but I don't entirely recall. Um, I could be wrong about that. Um, now the card screams new generation up and down. Yes. Well done. You know, Aldo, um, it, it screams it. What do you remember about some of those other matches? Some of the other reactions, the bushwhackers every time, no matter what era going to be over. <laughs> they were not yet the, uh, the boomerang throwing, uh, bushwhackers. No, not yet. Still, still nonetheless over in the garden. Yes, I'm. I'm sure they got a loud pop. I don't recall the Bushwhackers match, to be honest with you. One of my, so a lot of my memories when, when I think about it, when I was a child, when I was younger, I don't know if I was as much of a wrestling fan as a sports entertainment fan because I remember a lot of the promos and stuff from this show. Um, if you look at the Razor Ramon Jeff Jarrett match, uh, Razor Ramon won, but Jeff Jarrett won first by countout. Oh, interesting. He, he cut a weird baby face promo which i was i i found it somewhere online to confirm what i remembered uh today where he was like i don't want to i came here to win the intercontinental title not by count out even though he's bad guy jeff jared and razor ramon is the face so it was kind of odd but then razor ramon wins like three minutes later with a razor's edge interesting yeah and that would follow this match so like holy crap so you you go from uh, a championship win to an intercontinental title match uh, dare say, you know, <laughs> you could have flip flopped both of those at the top of the car, yeah. <laughs> you know, and it would have been uh, sufficient. But yeah, so you're getting an extra match kind of thrown in there with a restarted Intercontinental title match. And, you know, it, it is also New York. So I'm sure there was some support there for Jeff Jarrett, because even though Bob Backlund gets booed, it's still New York. And they did not always like the corny baby faces. They did sometimes cheer for the heels. So I could I could picture there being a little bit of a pop for Jeff Jarrett wanting a restart. No, I think there was. Any Anytime <laughs> you want a restart, it's, it's going to get a pop, I think. But uh, no, there definitely was. And actually, now, so as I'm thinking, I think this definitely, the title match was before the intermission. Because I'm now just, I'm having a new memory spark of Howard Finkel coming out during the intermission and announcing um, apologizing again for Bret Hart not being in attendance, but announcing that he will be healthy and back at the next show at the Garden in Oh, uh, wow. It probably January, was January, February, yeah. or something. Yeah. yeah, or right after Christmas. It was one. It can be one of those. Yeah, so I think this closed out pre-intermission, like old school, and then they opened with the hot Intercontinental Title match after the intermission. That's fascinating. And I absolutely love, uh, you know, that they would do that because that was always one of my favorite things about the Madison Square Garden shows. Was like, I'm I'm invested in the show we're watching, but. I kind of want to know what's going to happen uh, the next time we're coming back to town. And it actually, it was January uh, 1995. And I can tell you that because I'm looking right at it and the show in January 95. Let's see if Brett made it to the show. Brett defeats Owen Hart by okay. submission. So there you go. And your boy, Jeff Jarrett takes on diesel in the main event for the world championship. So uh, maybe that's why they had to keep Jeff Jarrett strong. Say he had to demand that extra, couple of minutes because they were going to throw him up against the champ the next time they came to town that's true you have that local garden crowd that was like he beat razor by count out last time <laughs> hey as long as he had the flashing lights and the uh the stripper <laughs> gear I, I love it so hit the play button and we'll kind of let it play out as we're uh, we're chit-chatting but it's not a long match and it kind of would make diesel just go from being the guy who had this dominant year as a monster to being even more dominant and an even bigger monster because uh, you know, if you were if you turned your head or had to tie your shoe, you were going to miss the fact that this was uh, it was a very long eight seconds. Let's put it that way. I can't remember if they. Here we go. The, the bell rings. It's literally one power bomb, and that's <laughs> that's all she wrote. And Diesel wins the belt. So you're there. He wins. What Look is at that, that reaction? Look at that crowd erupted in that video we're watching. No, and the whole garden stood up. It was like. I'm a Knicks fan. It reminds me of it reminded me of well not yeah now it reminds me of Larry Johnson hitting a three pointer, uh, which became a four point play to give the Knicks their gigantic playoff win in 1999. Uh, 
It, it's just the whole garden stood up. It was crazy. So the fireworks, I guess we're going to be, if Brett beat uh, Bob Backlund that night, I mean, you got fireworks, the whole <laughs> nine yards. You did not see that at garden shows, house shows back yeah. then. That's how you knew something big was going to be going down if you're uh, on the management side. You got fireworks inside the garden. Were you shocked by the fireworks? I probably was. I, I don't recall, but I probably was. <laughs> I know, yeah, you never got anything other than just, you know, that dark short entryway at a house show. Now, Backlund, if you can see in the bottom part of our video, just kind of falls out of the ring. And that is a calculated move by Bob Backlund telling us on the TMPT Empire. He wanted to make sure he proved to the fans that Diesel's powerbomb was that devastating. So the sell job he does, he literally crawls from the ring back into the dressing room because he wanted the fans to see how devastating that move was, that it was a kick, a powerbomb, a one, two, three, and the match is over. Yeah, no, and and he's obviously the ultimate professional too. If he didn't even think he was gonna lose the title this soon, uh, I'm curious when when did that conversation happen? Uh, was it where he was the conversation where he's gonna lose the title? Was it this night at the Garden, or did he know a day or two? Um, I I believe if I my memory serves me right, he had found out right before, not like the day of, but like. I guess in the preceding days, I just, I don't recall off the top of my head. I don't want to give you bad information. No, no, that's fine. But I have no idea what he was walking into. Yeah, no, I don't think it was that, Uh, but he's a pro and he obviously understands that, you know, it's uh, it's a business and you know, the, the imagery again, that we're, we're watching and why the, the video portion of the show is, is kind of vital to the conversation. You know, you're getting to see not only the fact that he's, you know, soaking in this moment, which is great, um, this is a guy who two years earlier was just kind of floating around, uh, the outskirts of WCW and basically on his way to not being a wrestler anymore. Um, who's now, you know, world champion. Now he's wearing the belt, which is something we would not see diesel do. And it would be a little bit of like the trademark that he was, you know, the too cool for the room champ. He dragged that thing with him, which I thought fit him perfectly wearing the belt. It almost seems kind of, you know, like not diesel style, so you got to see the whole thing. So now this is also pre-Diesel, you know, like rock music uh, Diesel song. Yeah, this is just horns. Having... <laughs> just you... truck horns. So you're hearing over and over, you know. <laughs> but look at this crowd right now on our video. Like, they're well, it, it just darkens. But they were still, they were standing that whole time. Like, that is, in my, like, again, that's, that is a Steve Austin pop to me. Like, that Diesel got in the garden on this night. Like, the crowd was crazy when he won this title. Yeah, and let it run here because let's see if if he is right. If the Fink starts to talk about the uh, the intermission, I know we can't hear it, but just still the fact that if we see him jabbering, that means that you're right. It was pre-intermission, which again, man, it just goes to show you how smart Vince McMahon and his team were at that point. They they knew how to pull off everything so perfectly that they they gave that hot moment to you, and now you got to go cool off. And guess what you're about to go do. You're, you're getting in your freaking shoes there and you're running to the ticket booth to buy the tickets for the next show. Except I'm, I'm with my dad who's like, at intermission, we don't go anywhere. We stay in our seats. <laughs> I don't remember ever going anywhere with uh, when your dad took us to a show. Now, do you remember, what is this in the ring right now? Um, I'm trying to, I don't, I don't well, think on, I remember. Like camera guy. Was this a special guest ring announcer? I think it is a special guest ring announcer for Razor Ramon. Uh, I think that's what it is. Oh, uh, good, good expert, uh, good expert analysis there from somebody who was live <laughs> in attendance. Oh, you were twelve? Who gives a shit? You're supposed You're to never remember. on my little kid memory, man. Come on. <laughs> so is this a lumberjack match? It looks like. Oh no, this is the head shrinkers here. Do we get an out of order uh, lineup on our rundown here? Let's see. I'm gonna I'm gonna go back and check this. Uh, I don't have the head shrink. No, if I two and see only defeat, is this the right one? Am I even looking at the right one? The head shrinkers beat uh the executioners. Oh yeah, Bar- okay. So the executioners were Barry Hardy and Dwayne Gill, aka Gilberg. So I guess uh my thing that I read was out of order. So uh, huh. I guess my memory is wrong too. Again, about Raiders, Razor and Jarrett being after the intermission. 
yeah, your memory kind of sucks. And we just contradicted the last like 15 <laughs> minutes of that whole buildup, but that's okay. You know, again, that's what the video's for. This is why the video is so imperative to what we're talking about. It's truth right. in this broadcasting. Um, but so diesel wins the belt here. Uh, Vince brings him out on Monday night raw and the, uh, you know, the, the how sweet it is promo by diesel, which again, it's a different diesel than we saw this is a guy who's all smiles this is a guy who's very uh you know happy to be champion not the sunglasses uh you know in your face i'm not uh, really giving a crap where i am diesel um but that would all come full circle a year later because diesel holds the belt for a full calendar year which was very much in line with that time frame everybody yeah. held the belt for a long time back then <laughs> absolutely although he i He's the longest running uh, champ of the '90s, though. Um, yeah, but, uh, I I don't mean to go back to the MSG show. But no, no, go ahead, go back. One point of interest in that last match, and I don't I don't remember it happening in that order. But the head shrinkers against the executioners, which you know, it's always great when the executioners pop up. But uh, I believe the executioners were actually a replacement for Shawn Michaels and Diesel. Oh, okay, that makes a lot of sense. All right, build as head shrinkers versus Shawn Michaels and Diesel. Yes. Now, is there a reason we don't have a program run sheet that was inside the uh, the, the WWF <laughs> program from the merch stand? Is there a reason we don't we're not referencing that right now? <laughs> I don't know. Were you circling the guys who won? Did you circle them? Did you did you put a check mark? What'd you do? I think I probably circled them. I, I didn't do a full on innings baseball card, but I probably circled the winners. That's actually, you know, we talk about merchandise and stuff. I, that was one of my favorite things was not even the program itself, but the the run sheet. And yeah. I would just study that stuff and you just, you'd be reading it and be like, wow, you know, uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, he's really from Glens Falls, New York. It says it right here on the paper. It's, uh, yeah, that well, was program, always a favorite. The program would be kind of like, you know, like every, every, they would change it like every month or two, but then the insert was always like specific to your right. show. Correct. Yeah. And then later on, it would just be like a, a doubling for the magazine. But in the, you know, late 80s, early 90s, mid 90s, you know, it was like original articles and cool pictures, you know, and for six, seven bucks, whatever it was, it was like, you know, 15, 20 pages. And you were like, this, this is it. If, if this thing touches the ground, if it's got a crease in it or a bend or a fold, I'm going to be pissed because this thing was expensive. This thing is three times smaller and two times the price that the yeah. normal magazine is. 30 bucks between this uh, program and a razor Ramon foam finger. What's going on? <laughs> that was my next question. Did you get a foam finger that night? Is that what the, uh, the, the merchandise of choice were? <laughs> I believe, I don't know if it was this night, but I know one of the, right around this time I had the razor Ramon foam. It wasn't a finger with razor though. It was the, oh, yeah. it was the coat cutter. <laughs> the razor. <laughs> Not really what you would expect for a children marketing, right? Like a legit, <laughs> like razor blade, you know, uh, Scarface, uh cocaine style uh logo for uh for the razor man um but again you know another favorite part of going to these shows was like running to the merch stand and in msg for those of you who have either never been to madison square garden or remember going to the shows once you came either off the train or into that first entrance at the garden off to the side was the first merchandise stand that you couldn't get to. <laughs> yeah. Am, um, am I right? <laughs> it would be the one in like the main lobby was always mobbed. It mobbed. Made, it was crazy. Uh, you know, and you would sit there, you'd be like, what shirts do they have? And you're looking, you're <laughs> like, oh, they got bread. Okay. Oh, oh, they got Shawn Michaels. Oh, they got the undertaker. Um, <laughs> but I remember with you, one of the perks of going to shows with you was going up to the box and they had the one yeah. little merch stand up at the area around the box. And that was where you're like, all right, I'm, I'm not dealing <laughs> with these, these common folk down on the main level. I, I'm on the box level. I'm going to the, to their, their fancy schmancy, uh, you know, very, very simplified, version of the merch table which is interesting this is one show and i i think uh i think we got tickets from somebody that my dad knew but it was i don't remember why but it's the only show i remember in this era where i, where I was not in the box we had yeah. eat seats uh but yeah <laughs> we were typically in the uh the Payne weber skybox at the time you know and i would return to the Payne weber skybox <laughs> in another uh not Payne weber at that point but in another life around 2011 uh survivor series i'd be back it was my last time in the uh, the boxes up there at madison square garden i think it was 2011 the the rock and cena team up at survivor series that was uh -huh. the last garden show that i went to 
And it's uh, an our truth, correct? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so funny thing was, is I was with uh, you know my group of friends, which includes my uh, TMPT Empire partner, uh, Mr. JP. He was in attendance that night. But oddly enough, my brother was there with somebody else, and they were up in the box, and they were massively drunk and eating <laughs> really good food. And I don't know how I was able to go with my regular ticket up to the box. And I kind of stayed up there for actually, I'll tell you exactly what match it was. I stayed up there for the entire Alberto Del Rio CM Punk uh, title match. Okay. So I got to see that up from the box. And I was like, man, I was in these boxes when you kids were in uh, like elementary school. Like I, I, I know my way around a Madison square garden box. <laughs> yeah, no, those, those boxes were great. Um, I, I, we'll talk about this another time, but I was at WrestleMania 10 and I was in that box and it stayed very late. And I recall way after the show ended, uh, just uh, watching like people climb rope ladders from the top of the arena mm. to the bottom. I knew. Yeah. It was just crazy. And I don't know if you remember when we went to the Monday Night Raw at Madison Square Garden, the first ever Raw at the Garden, we actually, the, the box was located behind the Titantron. So we got to kind of peek down behind the Titantron and see yeah. like what was going on as much as we could. And it was like, holy crap. And that's a show <laughs> we'll definitely be covering because not only was that the first ever Raw at Madison Square Garden, not only was that the night that Cactus Jack Return for one night only at that point. Not only was that the night that Vince McMahon got stunned by Stone Cold Steve Austin for the first time, but <laughs> most importantly, it was my birthday. <laughs> Happy birthday, Chad. It was fantastic. I had it was how do you how can you deny that? Yeah, on your birthday you go to a uh, memorable Monday Night Raw, which if you recall, we were watching behind us on the televisions Monday Nitro, where this guy named Goldberg debuted on the same night. I don't recall Goldberg debuting, but I definitely remember having Nitro on in the TV in the box. How do you not remember Goldberg debuting? That's the whole point of the story, is that Goldberg debuted on the same night. My God. birthday. Yeah, he's just some bald guy with a goatee. And black tights. And we're like, oh, this guy kind of looks like Austin. It's so weird. Who did, did he, he ever beat? Did he beat Hugh Morris that night? That was, I don't, that, was I don't, that I don't remember. See, that's where the old age starts to kick in. Okay. I don't remember that part. I remember him facing Hugh Morris in one of his first couple of wins. Now, is it hard to believe that this match was like a long time ago now? That this night, this card is, you know, closing in on the... <laughs> <laughs> the close to almost 30 year mark. Is yeah, that a no, little hard to believe? <laughs> it's completely insane. And this is, so this is a card that is, uh, it sticks with me though, for some reason, not that I have, you know, obviously I don't have great, all tons of memories, but I have more memories of this card than a lot of events that I was at. I, I'm not, not sure why I think it's, I think it's just the shocking diesel title win probably. Yeah. Oh, it has to be. And I mean, and you know, as much as I love IRS being in the main event. <laughs> hey, this was a uh, Royal Rumble uh, rematch. Um, <laughs> so you can't deny that. But uh, Undertaker then, you know, in the video we're watching is uh, he did the same thing that we're just talking about with the pyro. He shoots the pyro up from the four corners. I don't remember that on house shows. That was they must have had this all rigged up that, look, we're going to really make this a special show. And that's um, that's pretty damn awesome, man. This is uh, this is quite the night to talk about. I'll tell you that. Yeah, and even though it's even though it's it's odd to see IRS in the main event, I guess it's not too odd for an MSG house show because you do get that main event before the uh, intermission, as you said before. Um, yeah, but it's also you know it's Taker though, like it's yeah. it's you got a big name. Like if you're not closing with the, it's like the title and Undertaker is the other title already at this time, and and that's crazy. And one of our shows will be coming up is who is the leader of the new generation. Is it Diesel? Is it Brett? Is it Undertaker? Is it Shawn Michaels? And outside of Shawn Michaels, every one of the, the guys really had, well, I guess you could say Shawn Michaels did have a lot to do with the night because he wasn't on the show and his breakup with Diesel led to the, the title match. So um, great discussion for down the road. Um, but, you know, Diesel would go on to hold it for a year, like I said, and, and have some great matches along the way and some stinkers, you know, I'm not going to lie, but it's not his fault. Um, you know, talk about the Mabel 95 SummerSlam, um, the the weird feud with Sid, which you would think was go oh, hold on, which would you would think was going to be great, but it just kind of didn't work. Uh, the King of the Ring 95, the Bam Bam Bigelow stuff, 
you know, the eventual Shawn Michaels um, WrestleMania match. So Diesel is a big year, but a year from now, Diesel um, turns heel again and does it in an epic way at the following year's Survivor Series uh, by defeating Bret Hart, uh, by losing to Bret Hart and completely losing his stuff after the match. But I'll even take a step further from the Survivor Series 95. To me, the whole genesis of Diesel goes the next night on Raw where he cuts the promo outside the ring in his street clothes, closes the book on the year title run, and is is basically, I think, becomes then NWO Kevin Nash, the guy we would then know for the next, you know, basically now 20-plus years. Is that Diesel the following year when he turns heel again? Yeah, no, I think that's 100% correct. And that is, uh, it's, and you mentioned earlier that he had barely talked in the prior year. I mean, his his getting over was kind of from his dominating in the ring. Uh, this is the first time you really got an insight into Kevin Nash and what Diesel was and how he was a different character. He, he was this monster in the ring, but he was also just this serious monster outside of the ring. That's what his personality was at the time. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's great. And the promo package for Survivor Series 95, um, again, you know, maybe just being, you know, a, a preteen teenager and not getting it, uh, you know, kind of lays the foundation a little bit because they talk about the bare facts like Brett needs to win to redeem himself. Nash knee or Diesel needs to hold on to the belt and they kind of peel back the the layers and i believe they even use the name kevin nash i think uh, uh brett calls him kevin at one point and they they kind of like they they give you a little bit of a glimpse to maybe there is something brewing but i i'm shocked with that one too i don't think that diesel needed to turn i knew he'd be a tweener there but i i didn't think that diesel needed to become a flat out heel i i loved him as champion so I mean, I maybe I'm in the minority overall with that, but it's uh, again, you know, everything having to do with Diesel was done perfectly uh, executed, excellently executed, uh, <laughs> if I say so. But you know, again, just kind of surprised that he, he wins the belt and then a year later he loses the belt and he's a heel. Well, Crazy. I think I think uh, one of the one of the problems. With, well, we'll get into it when we talk about a deeper, more just intense Diesel title reign or specific things in his title reign. But one of the problems was. I mean, immediately he had to fight Bret Hart at Royal Rumble uh, before this uh, right. Survivor Series match, and Bret and it was not a clean win. Uh, I think that there was a, I'm trying to remember there was DQ and there was count out and the match kept going. But yes, it, it's restart after restart because of interference. But I thought like Bret Hart was the you know the leader before Diesel, and then Diesel couldn't cleanly beat Bret, who a lot of people still viewed as the top guy, and I think it kind of hampered him from the beginning. Or close yeah. to the beginning of his title reign. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I agree with you there. So, uh, final thoughts on uh, whether or not the uh, the couple days there were running on diesel power. You think that it was running uh, smoothly? You think Bob Backlund could have had maybe not the year title run, but at least something? Uh, you think Bob Backlund got a, a raw deal? Should have been the champ a little bit longer. I. So this is tough because I do think. Bob Acklin got a raw deal, and he, like I would have loved to see Bob Acklin be the title longer or have the title longer. He was so entertaining at that time, and he, you know, he he had done a lot, and he was so crazy with all his promos and stuff. But then again, I enjoy that stretch like as much as anything. I mean, the 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 um, the, evol- the the evolution of Diesel from prior to the Survivor Series to the Survivor Series to winning the title that night is amazing to me, and I and I. Even though that's a house show, I would, I would say, it's possible that that night is his WWF peak. The only other option I would put to it is the Survivor Series '95 match. Even though he loses that match, because that match is incredible as well. But it, it that that just area of time is so incredible for Diesel. But Bob Backlund's, yes, I, 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 I would have liked to see Mister Bob Backlund get a better title run in the WWF. Yeah, maybe if they had the in your houses at this point, maybe they could have pushed it out a month. I mean, the couple of days not getting to see him on TV as champion kind of sucks, but I mean, I guess it worked. You know, and you can't deny that. I can't. I, I guess yes, I would have liked to have seen him go on maybe a few weeks, something like that. I'm glad they did it at MSG and not on um, some of those Raws because I mean, those Raws were in such small 
venues, not even arenas. They were in gymnasiums. They were in, you know, amphitheaters. They were not yeah. in big time uh, venues that they would be in a few years later. So I, I'm glad they didn't do it at one of those shows. Maybe that's also kind of strategic by Vince that they didn't do it on one of those and that they did do it at um, MSG. Um Someday, and I'm sure the WWE Network will put it out that they they have the master footage. I would love to see that. That would be uh, a great compliment to some of the stuff they've released over the years. Um, but as we're watching Diesel in '95, you know, decimate referees and Brett and saying I'm back. You know, that '94 was it was running on Diesel power for sure. And we'll touch on other, or excuse me, '94 into '95, and we'll touch on more things along the way with uh, big daddy cool. Cause he's so, he's so prevalent throughout the whole run of the new generation and his exit was the turning point really for the company. So uh, whether or not his championship run made the most money, which I don't know what the hell that was, whether his championship run made the most money in the world, which is what the business is all about. Um, you can't, dis- you can't deny the fact that these moments are, are staples of the Federation's history. So uh yeah, that's it. We'll wrap it up for that. That was a great, uh, just a great, great MSG house show and a couple of days there in WWF history. So if you like that and you like what we've been talking about, stay tuned. We'll be talking about more uh, as we continue with the new generation declassified. Um, it would be nice to pop another uh, house show that somebody was at during this era. That would be kind of cool. We'll explore that going further. But, um, you know, are very appreciative of anybody who's listened so far. Uh, anytime there's a new podcast coming out, to penetrate your regular lineup is uh, an effort in itself. So if you've taken the 45, 50 minutes to listen to this, uh, nothing but love, nothing but thanks. And we promise we will continue to deliver here on the stacked TMPT Empire, the interview podcast, the flagship the feature shows and now throwing this one into the mix. It's a, uh, it's a great lineup and hopefully a great compliment uh, to that lineup. So if you want to follow more with me on social media, it's at Chad EMB on Twitter and on Instagram. Uh, if you want to follow more with the TMPT empire, go to TMPTEmpire.com. there. There is a tab for the new generation declassified where you can kind of reach out and uh, find out some more of what's going on with the show and uh that's enough out of me cp i'm gonna ask you what's going on in your world how's the stick and move podcast there in the boxing side of this conversation uh so we we did which i've mentioned before, uh last week we did 12 episodes of season one of the stick and move stories podcast uh those are all available on spotify and anchor right now but if you just google stick and move stories you'll uh, get the link uh, to find the podcast there's also facebook.com slash stick and move stories is our group page uh so you can find us going on there we're gonna have a season premiere in uh mid-july uh the i think it's the third saturday in july where the first episode of season two will drop um and you can also check me out on twitter at at pugs with three z's that's p-u-g-z-z-z and uh also just want to thank everybody that's listened so far this has been really fun why don't you add a couple extra Z's into that? I don't think there was enough. I think three. I don't think three was enough. <laughs> Timmy, what's going on in your world? My world's a uh, new generation, man. I'm I'm 100% go and loving the uh, the feedback you've been getting. We've all been getting and uh, just loving loving this whole new you know realm of of a generation that we're over you know touching upon. So keep at it. I hope more people come and join. Yeah, and hey, if you can, you know, you're you being a technical whiz there. If you can find a way to time travel and be our live correspondent back in 1994, uh, that would be that would have been great. So uh, get I'll, to I'll be your Pettengill all day long. Yeah, get yeah. <laughs> Instead of I'm your Huckleberry, I'll be your Pettengill. <laughs> I smell I smell T-shirt. I smell one brewing already. <laughs> Um, but yeah, thanks again for uh, tuning in on this week with new generation declassified more to come more great stuff, more memories, uh, more fun. The new generation is hot. This, well, at least in our world it is, but, uh, appreciate you. <laughs> appreciate you listening. And, uh, if you don't catch us now, you'll catch us on the flip side. Take care. Thanks for listening to the two man power trip of wrestling. What the world is downloading.